Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London Is Blue podcast, your home for all things Chelsea FC. Nick, Dan, and myself cover all the match reviews from the latest Chelsea matches. We cover the team news and even throw you some exclusive interviews. Thank you already for being an awesome listener. And you know what? Let's jump right in. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to a sobering edition of the London is Blue podcast after a resounding loss to Bournemouth. But we are here. We have not shied away. We will take the punch on the jaw, as it were. No Brandon tonight, Dan here, but we do have Nick and Mike with us. Mike, how are you doing? Did you use some Kleenex today? Are you, <laughs> you, know, are you sad? Are you a little kind of nasty snotty you know do you got some big gold red eyes like what's going on there man describe it for the listeners you know some people might say a punch in the jaw i might say a kick in the dick you know <laughs> it's classic <sighs> you're you know there are games where you're gonna get clobbered but damn um yeah this one hurt this hurt a lot um you know fortunately i was able to watch it with some buddies so you know a shout out to the <clears throat> Colin and Shavas and you know uh, David in Seattle, but man, it it was rough. Nick, how are you feeling? Uh, it is currently negative five degrees due to the <laughs> polar vortex in Kansas City. So, in addition to feeling uh, hopeless and lost with this team, I am also freezing um, various parts of my body off. So, uh, just been a solid day all around here. <laughs> Sounds quite unfortunate. I will say yeah. that it was in the fifties uh, today. As yep. I was in okay. Fresno with cool. the Central Valley Blues, enjoyed the time I spent with them. We w- we watched a match together. We did not enjoy watching the match, but we enjoyed the time that we spent in one another's company. Uh, it, they, uh, I think, they are now describing themselves as the moistest uh, Chelsea <laughs> supporters group. <laughs> <laughs> That's the worst word in the whole world. Yeah, Why? their selection, not mine, but that's uh, you know, you had to be there. Dan, what did you? 
What did you do to them? <laughs> I did nothing. <laughs> what, what what did a 4-0 loss to Bournemouth do to them? That's the other question. But, uh, wow. yeah, we haven't had a chance to pull any new iTunes reviews yet. We did have a new Patreon from our time recording this weekend. So we want to thank uh, Jake Thurman for joining up. It was probably the fact that we now have that Discord channel that we server that we've been using. And we've had a lot of good uh, engagement, a lot of good group catharsis today during the match, and people finding a good little avenue to vent their frustrations in a, you know, a kind of uh, a special space, which is something that we kind of reserve now, Nick, for our uh, Patreon members. Yeah, and that's a it's a great way to get involved with our show. I mean, we, I, I've said this before, and I actually truly mean it. Like the the fact that people listen to the show is amazing. The fact that we have people who actively contribute um, a couple of shillings here or there on a monthly basis to, uh, to help kind of fund our um, some of our hosting and some of our business related expenses to, to run this thing and produce content is, is absolutely exceptional. So we, uh, we very much support it and, and, and appreciate it, I should say. And, and uh, if you're in that discord channel, I was, I was doing my best to follow along today at work, but I mean that that thing was moving quick, Dan. <laughs> there was, um, uh, you know, after what I what I think was the second goal, I think people started collectively losing their minds, um, which was uh, was interesting to see. We don't blame them. That's why I did have a suggestion. I think that instead of doing a recap of the Bournemouth match, we should just talk about the Oscars. We should turn this into a movie podcast. Go down the best picture. Uh, so you can choose from Black Panther, Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, The Favorite, Green Book, Roma, A Star is Born, and Vice. Nick, I know you wanted to weigh in on this. Where are you landing? <laughs> You're, I, love, I love that you picked me for this. Uh, I have seen exactly zero of those movies. <laughs> 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 have you seen I, a trailer for any no, of them? Could false. you just use have, a trailer? <laughs> I did see Black Panther, so I saw one. I, I really wanted to see Vice and Black Klansman, but I, I like I have no interest in the others really, uh, personally. So uh for those listening, I'm not a big movie guy. <laughs> so sorry. Uh, Mike, what are your thoughts? Oh man, um <clears throat> I'm right there with you being that. I have also just seen <laughs> Black Panther. So that's um, two votes for Black Panther. That's yeah, it. Apparently Black Panther is going to win the Oscar. We've solved that. Again, when About Brandon is time. on the show, we just solve things. So Black Panther, Best Picture nomination, uh, Oscar confirmed. Uh, a couple other suggestions we had because we want to keep this light before we actually start breaking it down. Rhode Island Blue suggested that we just recap the 2016-17 season instead. Probably not a bad <laughs> idea, Mike. All right. No, not terrible. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I, we could use some happiness, you know, especially those trapped in the polar vortex of sadness and uh, cold. <laughs> uh, our friend uh, Dane also suggested, Nick, that we should just forget talking about tonight's game. Join him in watching the rerun of our Champions League final win while getting pissed. Hey, now, Dane Dane has a plan here, <laughs> and I appreciate that. That that was pretty, that was pretty quickly after this thing was over. I think Dane might have been thinking about this. <laughs> This outcome and thought, you know, would be a really great way to uh, to pass the time. Let's uh, let's watch that two hours and thirty minutes of Champions League final win and uh, and see how many beers we could pour back in that meantime. So uh, well done, Dane. That is an excellent way uh, to react after 
uh, an abysmal performance. Yeah, it's yeah. almost uh, he's giving him like an, a, himself a internal sunshine, the spotless mind, like cleansing of the memory, the new one memory at least. You know, enjoying the old one. A um, couple others, we had our friend Janique on Twitter hit us up with the Janet from the Good Place wailing and crying into the sky. Uh, Eric uh, Barlow giving us the playoffs, playoffs comment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, this was good. The Jim Mora. Uh, yeah. Playoffs. Talking about playoffs. Yeah, that was great. I like that. Uh, earmuffs for the kids at home or the uh, quick 10 second forward ahead for the parents who are listening with the children in their car. Uh, Tommy Boy Jazz and Max Applebaum on Instagram giving us the we are shit. <laughs> my question. Why are we so shit? And then the excuse me. What the fuck? <laughs> By the way, that's a classy way to say what the fuck though. Excuse me, comma, what the fuck? You know, it's <laughs> it's it's like you're it's like you've tapped someone on the shoulder and you said, "Excuse me, what the fuck?" You know? I, yeah. I like that. Yeah, Josh uh, Blues Heller also saying that we're going to get the E rating for explicit. That is absolutely correct for fucking shit. No heart. Done the whole lot of them. My question is, so many to choose from. Where do I start? We will get there in just a moment. We had a couple more funny ones here. We had Greg hit us up, uh, gave us the, in regards to our coaching players, and then dropped the office space, the Bobs. What would you say you do here, Mike, as a way of <laughs> processing it? Damn it, I'm a people person. Okay. <laughs> I, I take the notes from sorry to the players. You don't understand. <laughs> he doesn't know how to tell them, and they don't understand what he says, so I have to be there. Greg, Greg, you you've won. You've won this for me. <laughs> Excuse me. What exactly do you say you do here? <laughs> okay, well now that we've got the funny jokes out of the way. I've, let's I've get got in. I've got one more. Uh, I, I want to give a special shout out to our boy Raymond, who actually was in the away end at Bournemouth at the match, and d- during it, he texted me. He's like. Haven't heard the word fuck you so much. And I think that was after the, the second or the third goal. And I think to make matters worse, um, on the train ride back to London, they stopped and a ton of Crystal Palace uh, supporters jumped on. So rough, rough day for our, the away supporters Oof. all around. Oof. Okay, well, thank you for that interruption. But anyway, <laughs> the script is going to continue forward, and we are going to get into a match review. Our is opponent, it? surprisingly, was Bournemouth. <laughs> Might have been a surprise to Chelsea as well. Uh, in the Premier League at the Vitality Stadium, where 364 days ago, we lost 3-0. And if you figured it couldn't get worse, it did. Because on this huh. January 30th, 2019, the score was Bournemouth 4, Chelsea 0. No correct score predictions. Not a surprise. And Mike, why don't you run us through that lineup that was the letdown? As always, we saw Kepa in goal, um, supported by Emerson, who got the start over Alonso, uh, playing next to Louise. There was Rudiger as Pilaqueta, as captain, of course. Kovacic made the start alongside Jorginho and Conte. We saw Pedro, Hazard, and Iguain, along with Alonso, Barkley, RLC, Caballero, Willy, C, Olivier Giroud, William, and Andreas Christensen making up the bench. You know, it's an interesting bench in my mind, Nick. You know, we had did have a question from David Roy Levin on Twitter saying, did we think it was a mistake to have both Ruben Loftus-Cheek and Barkley as subs with our problem scoring? He felt that having both William and Adoy available would have been really good as they play different styles. But obviously we had William and Giroud as the attacking options, and then we had a couple midfielders, backup goalkeeper, 
that you know a backup winger uh, or you know left back and then a center back. Uh, yeah, I think it was a a surprise, at least from what I could see on the on the Twitter reaction that uh, given that Hudson Odoi just scored and all of the transfer shenanigans around him that he wouldn't even get a bench spot for this um, after the way that Barkley's played recently. Uh, you know, ugh, you know that that. That doesn't rub me the right way personally, but, um, you know, I, I think with a, you know, it, it's easy to point at the the subs and, and think about who could have made an impact. I mean, the fact of the matter is uh, none of the 11 starters made an impact, um, you know, and if you're reliant, if you're, if you're wholly reliant on three people coming into the game for 20 to 30 minutes to try and, and do something, uh, because you know the the first eleven just capitulated, I, you know, that's that's not a winning formula. So uh, I think there's there's quite a bit of blame to go around. But I just you know I, I would have liked to see Hudson Odoi on the bench. I think that's the right thing to do. Well, to go through a couple of the stats, uh, Chelsea did have eleven shots total to Bournemouth's twelve. Both teams had seven shots on target. We had sixty nine percent of the possession. Gronkowski's favorite number, but we did nothing <laughs> with it. <laughs> the passes were 714 to 331. That's right. We had 714 passes to Bournemouth, 331. Pass accuracy at 90% to 77. Um, we had offsides this game. Morata did not play. Morata is actually in Atletico Madrid now. But we had six offsides to the one from, uh, which should have been two from Bournemouth. There were goals. There were four goals. Four goals for Bournemouth. We're just not going to run through all of those and, and suffer again. So let's transition in to question one, which is after the match, Mauricio Spari, sorry, spends 40 minutes, over 40 minutes in the dressing room with the players. He kicks out the backroom staff, Zola, others, just standing, waiting as Sari tries to figure out kind of what's happening, what's going on. And obviously, as this is happening and unfolding in real time, the results has trickled out, and it is what it is. And so people are asking about what should be happening with Sari now. Is this the time where the job performance is not matching the expectation? Is there dark clouds starting to loom over his future, Nick? Like, what's the, I guess, the feeling you have right now? If you're going to describe it as a feeling, how do you feel? I, I think my my tone and tenor on this hasn't really changed that much. Um it's clear to me that he and his players have a very off and on relationship. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think you can look at the unbeaten streak at the beginning, beginning of the season and think, Oh man, these guys are all terrible. Um, Cause that's not the case. I also don't know what has happened over, you know, if the Spurs result was that bad for the locker room, you know, how do they come back and play like they did against City? How do they come back and play like they did against Spurs in the in the Capital One or the Carabao Cup? I, sh- I should say uh, last week. Um, I, I there there's just something off. It just doesn't feel like the, this thing is is on the right track. And I know I know we'll get into his comments, but man, like you you just you just barely had some good news at the end of a really bad week, including, you know, I think Murata leaving is, is bad news for the club. They invested a lot in him and he it didn't work out for two managers. So he's gone. 
you get shellacked by Arsenal and it wasn't as close as 2-0. Uh, you rebound against Spurs. I think that bought him some goodwill and some time. And then you, you, you know, beat a really bad Sheffield Wednesday team with a, you know, convincing ish result. And the next step after that process for the players and the manager has to be to go out and bury a team that you should bury. And that's Bournemouth. And it's not to say that Bournemouth aren't good for the occasional upset. Hell, they beat us last year and they beat us um, in 2015 too. Um, but it's, it's not good enough. It's not good enough from the manager. It's not good enough from the players. And, you know, we've said this before, Dan, and we'll say it again. If you were to change over one of those two pieces, it's a hell of a lot easier to change over sorry than it is a whole group of players that are right now underperforming. Sure. And, you know, obviously the hashtag started trending after the match with the sorry out and the sorry in, and you saw both sides of the argument going at it for why this is the fault of the players or why this is the fault of the manager. And so a couple of the comments that Sari made is saying at through the press conference, which so he goes out of the, you know, the dressing room, goes to do his TV responsibilities at like 1043 and doesn't make it really until you know, almost close to 11 <laughs> until the actual press room where friends, you know, Liam and Nazar and others are patiently waiting for him and making jokes about how Eddie Howe is going to be back at training before Mauricio Sari makes it to the press conference. But some of Sari's comments were, it's very difficult to have an idea about the performance. We played very well in the first half. In the second half, we conceded a goal in the first two minutes, and then we stopped playing. Uh, he talked about the fact that he wanted to keep them in the dressing room and understand the second half, but it was difficult for them to even explain it, saying, quote, In that moment, I wanted to talk to them alone. I needed to understand because it's impossible to play so differently in the first half and the second half. I want to try again tomorrow. He said that he thinks the players are good enough, but we cannot lose against Bournemouth. I want to respect Bournemouth. I respect very much their coach, but we cannot lose like this here. And then saying, potentially very damningly of himself, that maybe I'm not able to motivate the players. This team should be good enough good enough to win without a coach. And that whether he feels the pressure, no, not in this moment. I feel frustrated, not under pressure. So there's some more comments too, but as you're hearing those and replaying them now again in your head, Mike, What's some of the thoughts that you're having based upon his, some of his initial comments? Um, <clears throat> you know, to be honest, I, I actually, uh, I, I actually appreciate a little bit of his candor, and I think it's going to be used against him because it's easy, um, small quotes to do, you know, and and can be used against him. But I think this is it's a really tough. He's between a rock and a hard place, you know, and whether or not. Um, you know, players are performing for him or they're just taking time off. I think he has to somewhat address it. And, you know, I, growing up playing, there were times in high school where we didn't get to go back to a locker room at the half and we were sat like um, in the end zone and either yelled at or whatnot to try and, and have us turn things around and figure out what we're doing. And I think I like the idea of him having a very earnest and long conversation with the players. And I think that this match was very different from what happened at Arsenal because Arsenal, we just never even came out, right? We didn't show up. Nothing happened. This was very much a tale of two halves. And um, we have a weak mentality. I think, you know, say what you want about the manager. But to me, I think we even we at least have – we have a spine of players, unlike in the past, that haven't performed under any manager that they've had. You know, 
They won a they won championships under Mourinho and under Conte, and they all you know at, at times gave up under both of those coaches too. So I don't think that we should necessarily assign only blame to Sari on motivating these players because some of this core has had a history, a long history of not being able to get up for matches. And and I think you know us pointing out the loss in 2015 and last year, you know the Bournemouth match is kind of. Uh, it's our canary in the coal mine, right? When we're having a shitty season, um, we can kind of pretty much figure out how it's going when we lose to some of these really poor teams because these are those super valuable three points that we could have you know, pushed us into contention for Champions League, and now we're back on the outside. Nick? Yeah. No, I'm, I, I, I think he is <clears> – <throat> I think he's right. I, I would look at Dave as an example, right? Um how does Dave come out so assured and fired up and everything that, you know, we know and love about him and, you know, really take the reins against Tottenham, help the team beat Sheffield Wednesday, and then can't help Rudiger and David Luiz figure out um, Josh King today. You know, I, I it's it's insanity like i and it's not i'm not blaming dave i'm just trying to understand like just like sorry like how does that happen um at one minute if you're sorry you have the the captain that you know you know can can help lead you to the promised land and then and in the you know two matches later you know that no one's able to talk to each other or figure anything out and and the team gives up and i think he what he's saying about this group of players is damning um, and it, time will only tell if he's right or if he's the problem. Uh, but this isn't, you know, we, we, we talked about this after Arsenal. This isn't the first time it's, you know, these types of comments have been made about this, you know, stable of, of players who have been around for a while. And Dan, frankly, man, I, I, know, I think he knows his fate when he says stuff like this. I think he knows that unless there's a major turnaround or he's able to win back the, the locker room and get, you know, into the top four and, and make a, a real statement in a cup that he's gone. And I think he's willing to uh, take some shots on the way out. That's that kind of is how it feels to me, honestly. Yeah. You know, I think there are, uh, you know, gambling men and it seems like he is, uh, you know, he's a banker first or a, a trader. So he probably understands some of the risk associated with his comments. And I think when we talked about the post arsenal comments that ultimately you, you kind of only get one real opportunity to start with that gambit of the players are weak. The players don't have the mentality and, he kind of played that card already and he's going back to it again after this match. And, and really after a set of up and down results where we beat Sheffield Wednesday pretty handedly, we do the business against Tottenham and show that we're capable of, you know, continuing to focus on qualification for cups and to advance into the finals. But ultimately you saw, or you saw today a man who is just, almost befuddled by what this group of players is or isn't capable of accomplishing. A couple of the other comments that he made are at that. No, at this moment I feel frustrated and not under pressure talking then again about at this moment, they are able to react very well 
always against the big team. In this match, the problem was different. In the first half, I saw a team with very good level of motivation, and in the second half, we were not able to play. When asked about if we we saw Chelsea have become predictable and are easy to face, and the striker issue, we had too many players with their back to the opponent's goal. We needed more movements without the ball. Otherwise, for the striker, for this team, it is a very big problem to play. Uh, he also apologized to the fans, saying we only have to say sorry. We can lose, of course, but not in this way. We have to solve this problem, and we need to understand where is the problem. So, you know, Mike, I guess my thought is if he doesn't know or can't identify the problem, is this, this, is this the start of the end and does he see the writing on the wall you know, as to what Nick was saying where, you know, sorry, he's making comments knowing what his future potentially, you know, portends? My opinion is no. And, and, and I think that it's going to be very easy for journalists to point to that and say he does, you know, he said this once already. He's saying it again. But but my thought is that if you really break apart this match and you realize that this was a competitive match. We were playing well. They literally got that goal, punched us in the face, and the whole house of cards collapsed. We we forgot how to play our game, to play football at all, or be competitive. And I think, um, I think that's what's troubling them. It's not saying like, how do I get these players to do it? He, I think it's that mentality. And and the quote that really stuck out to me is that strong teams win without a coach, right? Look at what Tottenham did today. They scored in the 80th and the 87th minute after trailing by a goal. Trailing by a goal is not a big deal. You know, our teams of the past have been, you know, defined by our our grit and and our our ability to take that shot, wake up, and then overcome those obstacles. And this, the second half, we collapsed. And you know, I. I'm sure we're going to get into exactly as to why. And and my I point the defense is going to get a lot of shtick and somewhat it's very much deserved. But it, I think our problem is in the midfield. When we play great, it's because the midfield is playing great. And when we're not, we get overrun. And you know, there has to like at this point, I don't. There's there's no come to Jesus. There's no like what can you do when you kind of have the players that you have and. It's just their performances aren't good enough. Like people are just not ready to play or to play hard. And I, I think for a long time we have always readily replaced the coach because that's the easiest thing to happen because we had a great group of players who were saying, this guy is not doing what he needs to do to motivate us. We don't have that locker room that we once had. And I think it's at, it's time for sorry to be given a chance and potentially for us for once to clear out a good chunk of the locker room to try and move Chelsea into the next, the next generation. Because at this point, what do we have to move on? Like what, what coach is going to get anything better out of the players that we have right now? Nick. I agree. I mean, think about our, our last three managers and, and I take out goose hitting cause that was a caretaker situation, but, uh, Jose Mourinho, even past his prime, still a, a manager in 2014-15 that led us to the title. Antonio Conte, a manager who is in his prime, who led us to the title in 16-17. Uh, Maurizio Sarri, who's supposed to be a master tactician and an offensive guru and a guy who plays a beautiful style of football. Uh, new ideas, fresh ideas, different tactics, players, you know, rel- uh, Think about where we were in the table 
uh, this time last year in a, in a disaster season where we are now. I mean, it's relatively the same place. We're fifth. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're fifth. That's, that is what it is. And when, once the players cross the white line, the manager can scream and shout and do everything that he needs to do, but it's up to them. It, it has to be up to them. And, you know, I, it, it's impossible to blame one person out of this, right? Like, Maurizio gets paid a hell of a lot of money to field a competitive and, frankly, attractive footballing side. Um, that hasn't happened for a while, uh, for a couple of months. Uh, the players get paid, uh, paid an extraordinary amount of money on a weekly basis to go out and perform what the manager wants. That hasn't really happened for a while either. And you could argue that it's been very off and on for a number of years. So a lot of people are getting paid and results are not happening. And if I'm the board or if I'm one of the the people up top who are signing those checks every week, I'd be pretty upset. <laughs> I would be, I would feel like, Hey man, like we tried to create a feel good atmosphere here. We, we brought in a guy that everyone wanted to play for. We, you know, wanted to play a system that we thought everyone would love. And none of you are doing the job. <laughs> like what, what happened? What, what happened? Just, just three months ago. What happened? Yeah, but uh, it, it's impossible. To be fair, this is the same board that waited a very long time to bring him in that also kind of let these uh, a same core group of players kind of do the same, not play and just kind of mess around and, and show up and collect paychecks for, for two great other managers. So we're, we're I, I think this season we have to – find our identity because we're either going to be Chelsea of old in which we spend crazy amounts of money to ensure success, or we have to um, figure something else out, give a manager a time to create, you know, a, a system that, that develops or that can, you know, span more than a year or two. Because when I look at the top six teams, when you look at Liverpool, City, Tottenham, Arsenal, and United, I think if you did a best 11, you, you you might not pick a single Chelsea player. Maybe we'd have to go to the best 22. You might have one, maybe two players. So I think we are lacking um, we are lacking players right now. We are not a dangerous team to play against. People don't fear us. Players aren't playing hard. And it's kind of scary because I feel like without a director of football, without you know good investment into players, and without players who want to be here – we're a we're a fifth to tenth place team, and somebody has so, to. So, but I will, out, I will say, I will say that Eddie Howe came out after the game in his com- press conference much much sooner than Sorry did, <laughs> and talked about how he was actually very comfortable with his team, did not worry about playing with any possession of the ball versus our team, which tells you that opposition teams have figured out that we are not playing sorry ball in the level of that sorry ball was played in Napoli. You know, it is a much slower and, uh, you know, disappointing version, uh, both maybe on the players, maybe on the coaches, maybe, you know, some type of combination of both. So that is a concern. But I guess the the question I would pose back before we transition into maybe playing, you know, a a nice version of the blame game (laughs) is... So if we're saying that sorry needs time, 
and ultimately saying that he should be afforded time and an opportunity to get things right and to put Chelsea on a course for the future. You know, A, what are our season goals still? Because if the season goal is top four and the season goal is winning some type of silverware, uh, that is, you know, some of that is still true. We are still in Europa League. We are still uh, firmly in position to advance to, you know, we've advanced to the League Cup final uh, against City, which will be very difficult based upon today's performance. Uh, we're going up against a resurgent United team in the FA Cup because, of course, we're that's the type of draw we're going to get. So, Who so predicted that. Yeah, no, Nick predicted one thing right. Uh, not not this result. Multiple that. things right. <laughs> um, but w- what's what's the cutoff point? You know, if we go another month and we're still, you know, we get knocked out of a competition, so we've got you know now maybe two chances for trophies. We know we're not going to win the league, and we're still hovering in a will they, won't they, fourth or fifth position. Is that still going to be an option to continue to let him to try to work it out? I I, just, I don't know, Mike. You know, I, I think the answer has to be yes. And I think, you know, what we discussed at the beginning of the season was that the goal for this year was to be a fourth, you know, top four and hopefully, you know, icing on the cake, a trophy. We're still in contention for a trophy. I know that things are not going well together, especially when we're not playing um, – lower teams or teams that are in chaos like Spurs was. But I think that we ha- – like I don't see a lot of options at this point. I don't see how we can just get rid of him and say we're, we're not going to give anybody a chance at all. You know, we told you that, the sh- you know, the goal is top four. You're in fifth position. You're gone. Um, I-, I think we just – we have to – we have to gut it out for once. We have to – to do something to change what we've done because it's it's not working anymore and we're kind of running on fumes I think with so so question then isn't that what we did with Antonio Conte last season where we potentially might have severed his contract earlier in the season when we were still hovering in you know second third fourth place and then finished outside the top four is that you know maybe something where you look at again now and you look at what's happening with Sari, and the you're talking about wanting to rebuild the squad and get the right type of players in because ultimately we need you know at least to have a couple players that would be in the Premier League's best eleven out of that top six. You know, if we lose out on Champions League again, you know, you look at Arsenal's reporting and they talked about the thirty to forty million dollars less per season that they're kind of getting from being in Europa versus being in the Champions League. That goes directly to player investment. Oh, it does. Uh, I think, to be honest, you know, we, not to be hyperbolic, I think the future of the the club is on the line, not in in a terrible way, but you start wondering if, you know, are we going to be talking about the the sale of the club to somebody who's willing to put in the, the amount of money that's needed to, you know, compete at the highest level? Not to say that we have not put a ton of money in. Um, but we have not invested that well. So to me, do we get a director of football? Do we get a new owner who's willing to you know go up to the very top to compete with the boys in Manchester? Um, you know, I don't know. It, it's I don't think the answer at this point is as easy as saying get rid of sorry because the what we have left to play with and deal with is not great. Uh, my issue with Conte is that he gave up. He, 
Yes, did he get the support that he needed? Could we had have had something great transitioning from 1617 into 1718? Yes. But at the same time, one, he quit on the club. Two, he also fired a 20-plus goal a year striker with a text message. And let's be honest, Sari didn't inherit Diego Costa. Uh, we wouldn't be in the position that we're in if Sari had a, a striker who was firing uh, the way that Diego did to to win us the league. So I think while some of the the comparisons are 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 noted and are and are valid, I think some of the shtick that Sari's getting over Conte is undeserved because Conte had a much better squad than than what we have right now. All right. So uh, well, before we transition off, I want Nick to speak his uh, opportunity to talk about that. And really, ultimately, you know, do we think Mike is potentially being a little too romantic towards Sorry, <laughs> giving him a little more benefit of the doubt? Got a little heart eye emoji thing going got on. Got some champagne. I see it. In the- <laughs> I, I see it. You got the bachelor. You're going to give him the rose. It's okay. It's okay to be in a relationship with him. That's cool. But Nick, what is your, what are your thoughts kind of thinking about this within the larger picture? So let's, let's pretend that things go belly up. And you know we we lose the city and uh, in the in the Carabao Cup final and and we lose to Manchester United in the FA Cup fifth round and we're still fifth at the end of February or sixth who knows um, do you fire him I don't know and the the only reason I say I don't know is like I think Mike makes a good point about the squad um, and. I don't know who you bring in that's going to make that big of a difference. You know, like there are also major financial implications to continuing to turn over managers and having to pay out millions and millions of pounds in, in salary. Um, so I, I don't, I, I don't know the perfect answer to this. And I don't even, I, I hate actually talking about this cause it's just depressing. Um, but I, I think the club would have to make, a really tough decision in that moment. And uh, it's also, you know, kind of sorry's job to get our players to play well. Um, if they refuse, if the players refuse to play well, or they boycott or they do something that's out of his control, you know, I think the, I think you have to, you know, either take a really hard line and, and get, you know, get rid of him or you have to, tell the players that no he's staying around and if you don't want to get in line you know we'll figure out what your next career move is going to be and it'll be at uh zenit st petersburg or somewhere else (laughs) intolerable you know because that's it's that's unacceptable and that's you know if the players do that then that's them quitting on the on the fans and that's to me like the most despicable thing that can happen all right so we'll get into a little conversation around the players and what their kind of ownership is in this, but we're going to hear a quick ad and then we'll be right back. All right. So you're listening to this podcast right now. London is blue. And guess what? We host our podcast on anchor.fm. That's right. If you're looking to host your own podcast, this is the easiest free way to get started. This got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone that's right. Don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts, as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? 
head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. All right, so our friend of the pod, Matt Law, talked about and sent out a tweet after the match saying, sorry, is to take his share of the blame, but this is a reoccurring theme with too many of these Chelsea players. They down tools when they get when the going gets tough or they don't like what they're doing. They leave managers isolated. So this was the transitionary part of the conversation, which is what level of blame or ownership, Nick, do you feel like the players own in this process? Let's say if we're chalking up to percentages of ownership, you know, is it a 50-50 relationship between Sari and the players right now? Do they own a little bit more of it at the moment? If we had won the league last year or finished top four, I could probably put more of the blame on Sari, honestly. Um because he would have made the team worse. But since we are now in the position that we ended the year in last year, I would go 60-40 players. Look, Dave's been around a long time. Hazard's been around a long time. And Golo Conte has been around long enough. David Luiz has certainly been around a long time. Um, You know, to me, you know, Pedro's won everything there is to win. At Barcelona and Chelsea. Uh, William, been around a hell of a long time. Look, guys, uh, either this is who you are as a collective, your fifth, or there's something else to give here, or there's something more that you can do. And we'll figure out pretty quickly in, you know, in the next two weeks what they have to give. So uh, until... You know, until I kind of see a determination either way there, I'm going 60-40 players, Mike. Yeah, um, I, I definitely – I think I might go a little bit higher on players only because, you know, plans last as as long as, you know, before first action, right? You know, when bullets start pl- flying, you know, battle plans change. So um, can we be better – could we be a little bit more flexible? Of course. Could we – do something other than substitute the same three positions every match. Yes, of course. But I think, like you're saying, there's a lot of aspect of heart. And I think that going back, and and I I spent a substantial amount of time reviewing and watching these goals over and over again, and and the amount of effort at times is, is I think, what directly led to these goals. Um, People not tracking back, people not fighting for each other. Again, we've talked about these issues over and over again. And I think that... When it comes down to it, um, if you're not willing to um, play your heart out, there's going to be an issue. And 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 Nick, you asked a question. What, you know, how does as how does Aspi go from you know like just roaring in 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 pride and you know taking down Tottenham to this? I think some of it's a little bit of the tools. I mean, heart only takes you so far, and I don't feel that we have necessarily the speed at times to compete with some of the bigger clubs, you know, city, Liverpool. And when, you know, Dave will put everything on the line, but at a certain point, Hart won't keep you, you know, keep you up with a a Josh King or, or some of the other speedier players. So I think we have to figure something out. And I, again, I just, I don't want to put it all on the players, but I don't know if it's the system, but something there's, there's not an easy solution like we've had in the past because I think even with Benitez or some of the other managers, you could say, hey, switch your tactical formation. Do this or that. I mean, yeah, Sarri could change. He could change to a 3-4-3. He could play a 4-4-2. But if these players are going to walk out onto the pitch 
and put out the performances they have or just freaking collapse the way they do after conceding a goal what 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 tactically dan what what can you, you know unless you're just standing them in front of the goal the entire match to, to attempt to block it from going in like if you have no heart and you're not going to play hard and you're not going to track back and you're going to let the the defensive third be overrun by the midfield and whatnot like what good is it? What's going to happen? Well, you're going to lose pretty badly. And we saw that play out today. And I think you guys are right that I would probably err on the side of giving a little more stick to the players because we've seen them rise up in moments under this system this season to handle tough opposition. Um, We we didn't play a different style of football to beat Tottenham 2-1. You know, we didn't, uh, you know, we played a little differently uh, without possession of the ball to beat City earlier in the season. Uh, you know, we beat, uh, you know, Arsenal one of our games this season uh, playing this style of football and, and not even really being fully adept in it. So I, I think the execution, you know, sorry is spot on that the execution of the system is not great. And it may lead to the fact that certain players are not right for this type of system uh, you know our friend uh, Jake Thurman on Patreon was asking about like you know you know what is it actually going to look like next year if we're trying to do sorry ball and all these players are still here like would we need to refresh pretty heavily to change out what we have and uh, Shane also through our Patreon was asking like yeah do, am I really supposed to believe that four or five of these attacking players are incapable of following uh, the alleged instructions to make forward runs and, you know, we, we definitely saw some of those forward runs in this match, but, you know, either we were offsides, the, the ball didn't, didn't move quick enough, and Bournemouth were very capable uh, and have shown in the past with the way that they have also infuriated Pep's teams and Liverpool's teams um, that they are very comfortable pressing off the ball and creating very narrow passing lanes, which force you into positions where you have to take a risk and attempt a, you know, low success rate pass or have to switch it, you know, completely across the pitch to try and take advantage of the situation. And our defense was not up to, in many situations, handling the pace of Brooks, of King, of Stanislaus. And that's not even including the fact that their best, you know, highest goal scoring individual on their team, Calum Wilson, wasn't even in the match this game. So as I think about, where the blame lies i think it's it's very hard to make it binary in the well it's either sorry's fault or it's the player's fault i think going down that line of thinking even though we got a lot of comments trying to assign all the blame to one side or the other is misguided like i think ultimately the goal nick should be you know as uh you know it it should be about unity you know it should be rick james unity like we need to just get everybody back together on the same page (laughs) (laughs) and and focused on on unity i just spit out my drink all over my ipad thanks dan (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah no i like i the window is shut now um you know by the time you're listening to this podcast i think the club you know it's one it's one idiot's opinion here but I think the club brought in Maurizio because they wanted a style of football that they deemed attractive and that he was going to provide that. It's been a short amount of time to get everything up to speed. It hasn't gone that smoothly, if we're completely honest. I you know, I don't think the club want to fire anybody or get rid of anybody, if I had had a guess. But 
you know, they've also shown in the past that when the results aren't up to snuff, you know, it, it usually ends up going bad for one or a few parties involved. And I think, you know, most of the problems that we talk to that we, we continue to harp on this, but it, it becomes more realistic by the performance is on issues of player recruitment. Yeah. Not the negotiation, but on issues of player recruitment and, and scouting and youth team integration, we do not have a football person in charge. Uh, and that is a, you know, it, it's, it's not saying that we can't have business people in charge, but I think some of the gaps that we're seeing right now um, have been around for a while. And and even we're around when a football guy and Michael Omanala was in charge-ish, in charge in air quotes because Roman's in charge. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm, I'm just I'm, – I'm befuddled. I'm confused. I'm, I'm kind of at a loss. I, I, Arsenal made me really angry. Really angry. This made me very skeptical. And I don't know which one is worse. All right. So that's kind of our thought around some of the player pieces. But I think one of the storylines that emerged in the beginning of the match and people were keeping their eyes on was the fact that Alonzo did not start the match, but Emerson had an opportunity to start. And everyone was very excited. They were very happy. Some people were using their wonderful hashtags to show how excited they were. And Mike, how do we feel like the left back did with uh, all eyes upon him be, you know, being cast into the center stage? You know, <clears throat> I think the overall opinion is going to be pretty poor. Um, there were multiple goals in which um, he could have been in a better position. And I, and I know after the second goal – I know we're pushing up trying to get, you know, at least one goal and that that definitely puts that left side at risk, but you know, um the second goal, man, he he uh he kind of put on the brakes twice. If he had sprinted as hard as he could back into the box, he would have been able to to help out. And I I think the problem is is that we get in our minds uh on top of us always feeling like we have every right or deservedly we should win every single match we play we have this idea that the problem with our with our team at times is just a single player if we just swapped out alonzo you know oh alonzo you know one day he's he's doing everything he's scoring and well now it's his fault everything's happening so if we just swap him out that magically everything's fixed and i I just don't think that's how it is i think this was a tough match i think you know there's a lot of expectations. I mean, I, I I try and put myself in Emerson's boots. I mean, here's your, your chance to make a huge opportunity. And I think as things are going bad, I think some of our younger players who might not be getting the opportunities that they are, um, I think mentally it can be a very challenging thing to this be your one shot and we're playing like garbage. I think that I think it takes a very mentally tough player to kind of work through that and um, I felt bad for him because I don't think it's I don't think all the criticism is going to be deser- deserved. Um, and I think he could have done better, but I think we have way too many you know armchair quarterbacks who have not played anyone near the level of competitiveness that this is, and um, think that it's a lot easier than it is. So um, the only no one would ever do that. Mike. No, no one would ever do. The that. only thing that I will say is Nick, there is hope. 
because the window is not closed now. It closes tomorrow. <laughs> so we have we have a few more yeah, hours, by, right? By the time people are listening to this ah, podcast, it's well, by the t- getting well, close we've close. signed Mbappe, everyone, and uh, <laughs> and Neymar, <laughs> and every player you can think of. Um, no, I, Nick, and you're right. Again, it all comes down to this is a multi-million slash billion dollar business. And it feels to me, and I, and again, I can be 100% wrong, but it doesn't feel to me like we have a five or a 10 year plan going on because we're not, we're never giving a manager enough time to build a system or to work with the academy. I mean, I don't think any of us expect a ton of the academy to go forward, but even one or two players saves us a tremendous amount of money. So uh, until we fix that, you know, we're just going to end up, you know, we're going to be slating players like Emerson and Alonzo of who's worse or who's dragging us down when I don't think overall it's the responsibility or of a single player. And I think they get a lot of crap for things that is a systemic issue that could be better addressed by the club than us pitting ourselves, you know, the supporters against a particular player. Dan? I think it's a really good call out. I think it's very easy to, highlight maybe the mistakes Louise made this match, which there were many, but obviously he also looked like he was concussed. So we should kind of asterisk that a little bit and maybe say he should have been forced out as a selection at some point. Uh, It is very easy to get riled up at a singular player and make them the focal point of frustration or hatred or why we lost the match. And this is one of the moments where, no, no individual player was the cause. This was a total team letdown moment, and you can just hope that at, at some point this will resonate with them and that they will respond in the right way and that Sari will own the fact that he picks the 11, and while he might not have the depth in the squad that he wants, and we know that Danny Drinkwater isn't going to make an appearance on the substitute bench or midfield anytime soon, that it might mean some level of rotation between these players to continue to send a message about, you know, what, what he accepts and what is acceptable and to potentially be like a system shock to some of these players. But we'd love to hear your thoughts on what's going on and how you're feeling after this match. And hopefully uh, you're feeling a little bit better. It's until we talk about the table and where we're at now. Liverpool are in first place. What a surprise. Uh, Man City were not able to get it done against Newcastle. They remain in second place on 56 points to Liverpool's 61. Tottenham pull it away in the death and are able to keep their point lead and their hold on third place at 54 points. Arsenal have moved up to fourth. The the love reunion has been rekindled at 47 points. We are also at 47th, but we are in fifth due to goal difference. We have scored less goals than Arsenal have this season. So that was the reasoning behind us dropping. Man United now at our heels, two points behind in sixth place at 45th. Bring back Mourinho, please. Um the bottom three are Cardiff City, which are obviously in a very, very sad state of affairs, Fulham and Huddersfield. to play Huddersfield on Saturday, so that should be an opportunity to bring it back. But we will get some final thoughts before we get out of here. Mike, what do you got? Um, I think that it was poor from the club to not pull Luis. I, I understand that he's a very competitive player and nobody wants to leave a match after three minutes. Um, 
you know, when I was, I think when I was 13, I took a shot like that to my left eye and uh, it caused bleeding on the back of my eye and, and, and almost detached my retina. So, I mean, you can imagine if, if a, a younger kid can do that to you, what must have happened with that ball smashing into his head. And I think that while, you know, there's, you know, whatever, concussion protocols and whatnot, I think that he should have been taken out of that game. He did not look like he was right, and um, I think it was a poor move by us. Agreed. What about you, Nicholas? Last thoughts? I don't want to be the I'm always right in prediction game guy. Oh, no, you do. um, You do. No, I actually don't on this one, because if you recall, Dan, to our season preview, um, you and Brandon uh, had Chelsea finishing in the top four. I was derided <laughs> and criticized and and just beat up for having Chelsea finishing fifth. Do, do, I hope I hope genuinely that I'm not right here, but I it just kind of feels like this is where we are right now. 14 games to go. Well, okay. Well, that is uh, not the best type of note to end on. Um, I was going to go with the stat that this was our worst league defeat since 1996. Um, <laughs> but that also is very somber news. But hey, the, the best news is that we will be back after the match versus Huddersfield to hopefully talk about a wonderful win after the worst place team in the Premier League. But we hope that you have a wonderful Thursday, Friday, Saturday, whenever, whenever you're deciding to listen to this. And until then, you continue to keep the blue flag flying high. Peace.